Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. That rhymes with tech support guy, um, Pastor Gabe. <laughs> Brother, it's good to see you again. A lot of stuff has gone on in the world just since we uh, did our last podcast in a week. No kidding. Um, no kidding. So, you know, we've, we're planning on talking about legalism this podcast, and that was really brought up by just the, uh, the, the escalating mandates that, that we're starting to see with regards to the COVID vaccine and, and the way that some Christians are really trying to, I believe, bind the conscience um, of others uh, with regards to that vaccine. But then not only that, um, then in the last uh, few days, really from this past weekend, we saw everything that was erupting in Afghanistan. And I remember being in college uh, when, uh, when 9-11, well, not in college, I was actually in Japan. I was working in Japan when 9-11 happened. And to look at the images of what's happening there now, um, definitely um, keep keep the churches and, and the Christians there in prayer. Um, they're going to be um, they're they're going to be um, under uh, some people that are going to really want to persecute them, especially the Taliban, Taliban Al Qaeda. Uh, pray that the gospel would be would sound forth in, in the midst of that persecution, and, and pray that God would just uh, regenerate hearts out there. But what we're seeing out there is absolutely just it's just heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we talked about doing a, maybe a shorter episode, just talking about the Christian response to those things. And so I, I think we'll we'll make that happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, brother, let's get into today's episode, uh, because it, it's absolutely relevant, uh, not just because of what we're seeing and experiencing, but all throughout Christian history, um, Christians have had to battle legalism, um, right? And, and it's not just, I mean, you see from the very beginning, uh, John the Baptist confronts, uh, you know, the Pharisees, Jesus constantly confronts the Pharisees. And so this has been a forever battle. Um, so we're talking about legalism, brother, why don't you give, an, give us kind of a, a working definition when, when someone says legalism, what are we to understand? Because people use it in a lot of ways that's accurate and probably even more, uh, in, in ways that's not accurate. Yeah, and I, I would say uh, the, the way I would describe it to most lay people is that legalism is when you put more focus on the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. And maybe another way of putting it is uh, putting too much emphasis upon the law at the expense of the lawgiver. So in this case, we're focusing on the commands that are given to us, which are good and right, we should. Um, but when you do that at the expense of actually knowing God and, and the motivation for the obedience um, that uh, we should exhibit in our lives is really, it should be motivated by our love for God and his son, Jesus Christ, and, and the work of the spirit. So, yeah, I would say legalism is when we get too caught up in, in the law itself, and we're not focused on either the lawgiver or the spirit behind those, uh, the, those, those commands given to us. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good definition, brother. Um, and it, similarly, it, yeah, legalism separates the God of the law from the law, right? It separates grace and mercy from the law. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say I, I typically, I think we kind of see legalism play out in in several different categories. And there are three 
three or four big ones. Um, you know, one, I would say there's the type of legalism that is concerned just with keeping the law in and of itself, right? That That's the concern, period. But we understand this type of law. This is that Pharisaic type of law, right? Um, the law is more important uh, than anything else. It's more important than the lawgiver. It's more important than, um, you know, grace and mercy that is that the law really encapsulates. Um, what matters is just that you keep the law. Um, it is earning God's favor. It's keeping God's favor. Um, you, you mentioned other category we see a lot, right? Separating the letter of law from the spirit of the law. And that, it, you know, that plays out in a lot of different ways, but it, it turns out to be kind of a self-obedience without any thought of others. And so um, I, I was reading a couple things this morning and I found a good example. And it was uh, the example I think came from Ligonier. Um, and basically they were saying, give an example of a guy who's driving um, the, the minimum speed limit on interstate, you know, so he's going 45 miles an hour and there's a just torrential downpour and basically says, well, I'm following the law, so I'm going to go 45. And he puts other people in danger uh, because other people have the common sense to slow down a little bit. Um, and because he's so focused on um, staying within the boundaries of the, of the law, his actions actually put others in danger. Uh, and so we see that kind of, of thing. And then the other, uh, of course, is adding to God's law, right? Uh, our own preferences, uh, adding rules, adding the traditions of men and demanding others to do the same. Now, we're seeing a whole lot of that one specifically today, uh, yeah. Right. And so and let's just talk about that, because I think every Christian uh, for the last two years has heard that example of legalism almost on a daily basis. Right. From society, from other Christians uh, who, you know, lack in some understanding, even from, um, you know, the, the political giants who are trying to manipulate and twist scripture to get us to do things that we would understand being uh, falling under the category of Christian liberty. But we're told, well, here, here's, the, here's the one, do this because this is loving your neighbor. Yeah, and that's, it's that um, second greatest commandment, loving your neighbor, that has been abused more than any other um, that I've seen, especially going back to the, uh, the start of the COVID shutdown. Um, we've seen that time and time again. We've seen it applied to the vaccines. We've seen it applied to even BLM, um, some of the uh, writing and, and to the um, discussion on uh, racism, systemic injustice, and, and those kinds of things. And, and when we think about the various types of legalism, and I, I, I'm glad you brought up the example of the Pharisees. That's obviously the number one example that we would think of biblically. And yet, I would just want to point out that those Pharisees, while they were extremely um, fastidious uh, with the law, observing every every aspect of the law, they were also very quick to break their own law when they put mm -hmm. Jesus to trial, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, you, you had actually, and I'm going to be teaching on Nicodemus uh, this, this coming Sunday at the church, but um, you actually had Nicodemus trying to defend Jesus Christ uh, from some of these uh, malpractices of the rest of the Sanhedrin as they didn't even want to give him a, a fair trial and those kinds of things. And then not only that, but we even saw examples of them adding traditions of elders to the law, right? Yeah. So at one yeah. point, uh, Jesus was challenged as to why his disciples don't wash their hands. 
hands. Jesus goes on to make the case that it's not what's outside of you that defiles the heart. It's what's inside of you. But in the process, he tells them that you, you guys take the tr- tradition of elders and you elevate them to being the doctrines of God. And, and in the process, yeah. you dishonor the word of God itself. And so it's very interesting because I think when people get legalistic, um, that that legalism can, can start one way and it can branch off into, to, into multiple different ways. But what they all share in common is that they they lose sight and, and they lose track of what the word of God actually says and and, and who God is and, and the, the the grace given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So talking about what, what's happening today, it's that it's that loving your neighbor. And we have to be, you know, when when we hear this. Be very discerning because this can be used very easily as what I perceive to be a manipulation tactic. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's to uh, accuse you of, of being unloving because you're not doing this or this and this. Um, but you, you got to look at that and make sure that you understand, okay, well, is that really a proper application of loving your neighbor as yourself? And the example I gave um, recently was with um, with the vaccine. I mean, there are some people... There are a lot of people, I should say, especially corporations that are saying you must be vaccinated and a lot of Christians that are arguing that if you love your neighbor, uh, you will be vaccinated. And um, then we saw recently an example of the opposite where there was a church that said, you know, for instance, uh, if you wear a mask, you're not welcome in this church. Right. You can only right. come in if you um, if you take off that mask and throw it aside, which is actually the opposite error. And I looked at this and I thought, you know what, it's not. You know, it's not loving, it's not being selfish to either get the shot or not get the shot, but it is certainly is selfish to start binding other people's conscience to do exactly what you're doing because you're putting yourself in the place of God to say that this is what is what what is right and what is just yeah. when there is no biblical mandate uh, for either. This is a personal health decision, and we're turning this into something that people must abide by legally. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a good point uh, for, for the Christians and the folks that are saying, if you don't do this, you're not loving your neighbor. You're actually doing exactly what the Pharisees did, exactly what the Pharisees did. You know, you don't get, get to kind of cover it up because you're using the word love in your sentence, right? Um, so you say, well, you're not doing this if you're not loving your neighbor, uh, but you're doing exactly the same thing the Pharisees did. Um, I mean, in what was it in Mark? No, Matthew 12, um, where Jesus, uh, the Pharisees are condemning Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it, you get that? The Pharisees were condemning him for yeah. healing someone on the Sabbath. Um, that, that, that's crazy. And so when we use what would otherwise be uh, by application, an act of Christian liberty. What I mean by that is um, loving your neighbor is a command, but how you love your neighbor falls under Christian liberty because we'll all find different ways to apply that. And, um, y- you know, the ways that I love my neighbor um, will often look different in application than the way you, Eki, love your neighbors around, right? There'll be commonalities, but, um, you know, in my setting, loving my neighbor may mean that we take them, um, you know, fresh salmon because we live in Alaska and we fill their freezer up. Uh, Well, you can't do that, right? And so, if I try to say to you, if you're not giving your neighbors fresh salmon for the winter, then you're not loving your neighbor, um, everyone would say, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, you can't put that on everyone. But that's exactly what's happening with the yeah. vaccine and the mask. Exactly. Um, you know, a good story, and we've talked about this before, a gentleman sometime back who was adamantly against the vaccine 
um, had a, a friend or a relative who was on his deathbed, I believe, in, in Canada. Yeah. He took the vaccine so that he could go and share the gospel. You know what? That was loving his neighbor, but it was his right. own application. Um, yeah. He could have also not done that. And you still could not say, well, he didn't love his neighbor because he didn't take a vaccine. That was that was his free choice. And so uh, if we're telling people you have to wear masks or, as you mentioned, there is a church and, it, you know, I, I get so upset over these things when pastors do them, especially if I could remember the guy's name in church, I'd call him out. Um, but there was a church that, uh, as you mentioned, said, yeah, you're not welcome. You're not welcome to come worship God if you wear a mask. If you're a pastor and, and you take either one of those positions, how dare you? you? You stand before a holy God in front of a holy God and deny his people uh, right. coming to him to worship under the guise of what you think is right or wrong that's totally outside of Scripture. Um, heaven forbid we ever stand in front of God's people um, in an irreverent way and usurp God's authority uh, by keeping them from worship, whether it's by telling them they have to wear a mask or you can't worship. Now, we're seeing far more of that. Um, Or like this other church saying, you're not welcome to come worship in a lot of ways. But we do need to help folks understand that that is also a form of legalism. You're adding to the commandment of God um, where he doesn't require those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And some people may ask, well, what's the difference when you guys, for instance, and and I've been told that, well, I should get vaccinated and be an example to the community. And I should um, ask uh, our members to wear masks or or tell them to wear masks on the way in. Um, You know, it's the same. First of all, to to require everyone to wear masks, it's a similar kind of legalism saying that no one's allowed to wear masks, right? Um, Exactly. We get into this point of you can't enter if you don't do X, Y, and Z. And the X, Y, and Z is basically something that's extra biblical that we're throwing on top of that. Now, the reality is, is that Okay, we understand practically speaking that if you have a church that's meeting and they're without masks, then in all likelihood, someone who is worried enough that they are wearing a mask is probably not going to want to join your service anyway. Um, but that's there's a difference between them making that decision of saying I'm not going to st- I'm not going to worship here because of what they're doing versus the pastor himself saying you can't worship here yeah. because you're you're doing you're wearing this or you're not wearing that. And so we don't ever want to be uh, the, the the ones who are providing those options. I think about when Jesus Christ said, um, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And he talks about how he's going to bring division between mother and son, and mother and daughter and father and son. And the division is not a division that we ought to bring directly like, oh, because you don't worship Jesus Christ, I'm going to completely cut you off from my life. But I think the division, the reality of that time is that if you are a Jesus Christ, you are the one getting cut off. You're getting cut off from the family. You're getting cut off from the local synagogue. And so Jesus was saying that by following him and claiming that he is the Messiah, people are going to cut you off. And in that way, Jesus brought the sword. Um, it's not us cutting other people off. You know, we should always be ready and willing um, to have a meal with someone, share the gospel with someone, be an example to them, um, love on them in any way possible. What we don't want to do is start to you know, kind of put forth this, um, you know, step back, um, your your holiness doesn't match mine or, or you know, or whatever it is. Um, I'm holier than the holier than thou kind of attitude. You know, the other point I want to make, you brought up um, that uh, that 
passage from scripture when Jesus was challenged about healing people on the Sabbath. And if you remember, uh, Jesus brought back some examples. He said, well, first of all, the priests of the temple violate the Sabbath every single week. Yeah. Do you think yeah. they're breaking God's law? And then he brought another example. He said, how many of you guys, if you have like an oxen or some sort of cattle that falls into a ditch, how many of you guys are just are, are not going to actually pull that, that, uh, that animal out? even if it's on a Sabbath day? And the obvious answer is, well, of course, everyone would do that. Yep. If they fall into a ditch, even a Sabbath, we're going to pull it out. So if you, you are willing to rescue your own animal on a Sabbath, which by the way, Jesus was not making the point that that was unlawful, but he was saying, look, if you are comfortable rescuing your own animal out of a ditch on the Sabbath day, how is it that you condemn me for actually healing a person? And a person is created in the image of God. The animals are not. And so it's just common sense being applied here. The, the idea of the Sabbath, and, and I believe if you look at the example of how Sabbath law had been implemented going back to the beginning, when the Israelites uh, left Egypt and they're on their way to Mount Sinai, the, the idea of the Sabbath is that you don't work for selfish gain on the Sabbath day. You use that mm -hmm. as, as a day of rest. But there, there's, no, yeah. there, there's no law against you actually helping someone else. And in the case of the, in the, case of the, the, the priests at the temple, they were actually called to work on that day. So you can't say that this is a law that applies in every circumstance across the board without question. Um, and uh, Jesus would go on to say that, um, that, that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath was created for the benefit of man that we would have that day for us, not Sabbath, um, not Sabbath for, not the man for Sabbath. In other words, man wasn't created simply just to obey the Sabbath legalistically and, and across the board. Um, so we have to understand um, those the, those great uh, passages that we have there in Scripture. And and even Jesus gave the example of how David was hungry and he went to the temple and ate the showbread, right? Um, and that showbread was supposed to be holy for the priests. And that's not even a, that's not that ha didn't even have anything to do with the Sabbath, but he used that as an example yeah. to, to say this, and this is where we go back to the the spirit of the law um, is more important than the letter of the law. That the letter of the law from God, because God is a loving, gracious, merciful God. The letter of the law was not meant to afflict harm upon us. Um, so if there is some good that we can do to our, our fellow man, um, don't let the law be the reason why you don't do that. It's similar to honoring your father and mother. And yet, you know, what did Jesus say they did? They, they would take money and they say it's Korban. It's, it's dedicated to God. Sorry, mm -hmm. mom and dad, I wanted to give this money to you, but it's dedicated to God. So now you've now turned your parents against God and made God the reason why you're not giving to them. So, we have to understand that, that the law has a, a purpose here. It has it has has a function, and and um, the the letter of the law itself, when it starts to cross a certain line, um, it no longer it no longer glorifies God. Yeah, and to be clear, we're not saying that you can just sin and justify it because you're you right. think you're doing good, right? That's that's not what we're saying, um, and I think that's understood. But it, you know, in especially we talk about this because I don't think we've really. Uh, looked at the whole mass vaccination, love your neighbor as a legalistic thing, uh, but but we need to because that's really what it is. And here's something really important. Um, you know, I think over the last two years, we have seen uh, things like just how poor our ecclesiology is, our understanding of the church and its yeah. function, right? Uh, we've also, you know, we've also uh, been laid bare in just the area of the role of the pastor, um, and that sort of thing. And this is one of those cases where it, before all of this, 
you need to understand how and why the church functions the way it does, right? Uh, we, we believe that God has ordained the church to meet and meet in a certain way. Um, there are God-ordained restrictions placed upon the church, and they are good, um, and they're for our benefit, and they're for His glory. We don't get to add to or take away from those things, right? And so, this is why it was a big deal uh, that churches are still shut down, um, because when we get enough information to see that people aren't just, you know, dying as you walk buy them and cough on the street um, that we we say, okay, well, if if 100,000 people can meet and um, protest something, then the church can be open. Uh, and God gives us the command to, to meet regularly, right? And so, wow. that that supersedes anything anyone else says, the government, uh, the, the person in the neighborhood. Same thing uh, with masks. A pastor does not have the authority to demand someone wear or not wear something like a mask. We just don't have that authority. Um, in fact, when it comes to what we wear, um, the, the only authority that the church really have would be in the bounds of discussions on modesty, right? What what that looks like uh, and what what is appropriate there. A mass doesn't fall in that category. And so, I actually do not have as a pastor the, the God-given authority to make my congregants wear a mask or to tell them they cannot. The moment a pastor goes there, he's superseded. Um, the, the biblical authority he's been given. The same with a vaccine. I can't make someone um, or to you know uh, get a vaccine. I can't deny someone communion and fellowship um, and worshiping God. You know by sitting under the preaching and teaching of the word and in song. I can't deny anyone that based on their choice, based on a medical decision. Yeah. And so when churches do that, when pastors do that, and this is why you find a lot of us say. If your church is doing that, then go find another church. And I hate, I, I hate, maybe that's not even a strong enough word. I hate to tell someone to leave a church. Um, but in all honesty, if your church is functioning that way, then there are a whole uh, plethora of other issues behind it. Um, and so if you're yeah. being denied worship because you're not, because of whichever side you're on, mask, not mask, vex, not vex. Find another church. Find a church that understands that that is, uh, falls within the bounds of Christian liberty, and you can have your own opinions. The pastor can have an opinion. Eki and I both have opinions on masks and their efficacy and vaccinations, but those are just our opinions. Right. We can't force them upon you know our congregation members or other believers, and the moment we do, we've become legalistic. And so, if I'm manipulating someone's emotions by saying, well, you're not loving your neighbor if you don't. Whatever comes after that don't, if it isn't clear in Scripture, I've just become a Pharisee. Um, There may be genuine times. Well, let me say this. There are plenty of Christians, and I know a few myself personally, who took the vaccination because they felt like it would bring some security and comfort to those around them, and they did that on their own accord yeah. And they're not pushing it on anyone else. They don't believe everyone has to come to that decision. That, that I would say, is a genuine act of loving their neighbor and how they have applied it in their circumstance. There are other people who have said, you know what? I don't want to perpetuate a belief that uh, I don't have. Um, I don't want to take part in that. 
Um, I, you know, for whatever reasons, I don't think this is the best thing for me and my family. So I'm not going to do that. And they would view that as loving their neighbor by not partaking in something that they disagree with. Yeah. That's also fine. Um, the problem only comes in when either one of those groups of people demand that everyone else come to the same conclusion they've come to. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we, we have to, you know, the, the common comeback I hear uh, being brought to this is, for instance, Paul saying, talking about meat sacrificed idols and how he's willing to give up, uh, you know, eating meat so that he doesn't put a stomach block um, in front of his brothers. But you have to understand that in that case, Paul is actually restricting one of his freedoms. He's he's willingly let, letting go of something that, that he has the right to. Um, th- this is a different case. This is not about restricting our freedoms. This is actually asking someone to take the step uh, to actually inject themselves with something that they're not confident is actually going to be good for them. And look, if you're looking at the vaccine and, and you have concerns about the speed in which they're rushed out, and look, I'm not, I don't want to get into a debate about this. I know there's been a lot of um, videos that have been circulating and documentation that um, tries to explain why it's been safe. Um, but I think there's a lot of other information too that's not necessarily being told. But if, if you look into this and, and you're convinced that this is not safe to take, um, and, and that uh, by injecting yourself and encouraging others to take it, um, you're not only putting yourself at risk, you're putting others at unnecessary risk. You can make a case for that as well, that if that's where your conscience leads you, um, you're actually loving your neighbor by not taking it and, and mm-hmm. actually being an example in that way. Here's the thing. There, there's, there's, we've had very little time with the vaccine, and, and no one can deny that. We've had very yeah. little time with the vaccine, and there are, um, there, there's a lot of conflicting data. And uh, people can argue that, argue that if you'd like. Um, I believe there's a lot of conflicting data and there's a lot of room for people to arrive at at different kinds of conclusions. Um, But the thing is, you have to realize that everyone's there to make their own decision. If you start to say that everyone needs to take the vaccine because you've done the research and you think that this is the best way forward, well, you're basically saying that you're not allowed to think for yourself. You have to do what I do. Um, And and really that, um, while people may not realize it, that is what we mean by legalism, because now you are saying that if you don't do this, and I've seen a lot of people say this, that if you don't do this, um, it's sin, it's not loving your neighbor, you're, you're, you're painting a bad testimony um, for Christ, when the reality is there's a lot of people um, that are also against it but are afraid to speak out because of how they're going to be treated by their employer or by their community um, at large. I mean, it's very similar to really the whole thing last year about being um, a quote-unquote Trump supporter. You know, a lot of people were afraid to just come out and say that because they're going to be ostracized. They might be at risk of of losing their job. So we are in in a great danger right now where we take this command of loving your neighbor. And and really, if we say that it applies to getting vaccinated or wearing masks, then what we're saying is that it can apply to basically anything um, that we think our neighbor thinks we should do. And of course, yeah. I don't think any Christian in their right mind will, would say that we should do whatever our neighbor says we should do. But that's exactly the direction that we're taking it by trying to make this being equivalent uh, to the, the, the commands that we actually see in Scripture. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we don't use the same argument with other things. Let's just back up pre-COVID, right? And just think, you know, God's given us a brain and, and part of, um, you know, the Christian walk is using logic and using reason. Uh, you know, in line with the scriptures. So back up pre-COVID, have you ever told someone or heard someone be told, if you don't take extra vitamin C during flu season, you are not loving your neighbor? 
<laughs> I, well, I just don't think you can come to church if, if you're not doing that because right. it's proven that, uh, you know, extra um, levels of vitamin C help minimize the impacts of flu. So we've heard those arguments, right? Whether you believe it or not. Um, you've never heard that. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. But that would be consistent because it's no different. Uh, the, and, and I say it's no different because the flu kills tens of thousands of people each year. Uh, the elderly are often very susceptible uh, to the flu, for instance, those with you know immune compromised systems, um, compromised systems. So it, we don't do that with anything else. And, and so that should just be a red flag for you. Um, why are we now doing it with the vaccine? And I think Christians, we get far too caught up in the world. And, and that's really what, what a lot of this, if not all of this is, right? Um, Christians have gotten sucked in into siding with a political party. And that political party has usurped the body of Christ for them uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't say it that way. That isn't their intention, mm-hmm. um, but, but that's how it's played out. And so, well, I'm aligned with this worldly political party. And so, therefore, I'm going to believe this. Uh, and we have, we have Christians on both sides. Let me remind you, dear Christians, that you are temporary citizens of this world. You're citizens of heaven. You have a different king. Yeah. We belong to a different kingdom. And the Christian body is one body, unified. Um, and we should not ever let you know worldly politics or worldly ideologies um, separate us in the way that it has so much to the point um, that we're taking away each other's God-given Christian liberties. Um, you know how you the things that you do to manage and live your life and provide you for your family, the medical choices that you make. Um, it, it, the scriptures are there's a reason that scripture doesn't speak to those things. Because it falls under Christian liberty. So, um, right. you know, one man breaks his toe and he decides he's just going to not go to the doctor and let it heal on his own and, you know, lives with the consequences of that. We don't tell him that he's unloving to his family. Um, another guy, you know, uh, just coughs and he's in the ER because he thinks he's dying. Um, we, you know, we have no problem with either one of those things. And so um, it, we've got to look at this whole COVID stuff. Uh, the vaccine, the no vaccine, the mask, no mask in the same uh, way. We've got to pull back the emotions and go to scripture and let scripture be our guide for what's Christian liberty. Um, There are times where we do go to one another and we say, hey, look, brother, uh, sister, the scripture is clear on this um, homosexuality. Okay. Um, The scripture is clear on this. This is something that is sinful before God. It goes against God's created order. Uh, We do those things. But whether you eat your steak rare or mid-rare or well done, or you wear a mask or you don't, or you take a vaccine or you don't, uh, doesn't fall into that category. And the moment we make it, we have become a Pharisee, uh, and, and we just need to understand that. Yeah, I, I think of um, a tweet um, from, uh, I, I think it's, it's Thomas, and I want to say his last name is pronounced Katuzis. Um, I, I, I need to ask him uh, what that is, but he had, um, he had a good tweet, and, and really this is what sparked the idea behind this, uh, this podcast, where he, he was differentiating between um, uh, the, the command loving your neighbor when we can actually make it morally binding to someone and when we can't. And the, the law is very clear. Um, the, the commandments are very clear. You know, the, we talk about the Ten Commandments, <clears throat> and, and people, you know, obviously we know that the scriptures say that the, 
the law uh, no longer has power over us, but it doesn't mean that the moral law no longer has relevance. Yeah, we, I would say that the majority of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. I think nine out of the ten, except for uh, I want to say the Sabbath day itself, is is not uh, not commanded. Uh, yeah. But the moral law of God continues forward. Well, when we say that the old covenant has come to an end and no longer has power, we're talking about the power of God's judgment upon us because that judgment has been paid on the cross by the death of Jesus Christ. Um, but the morality, uh, the character of God, the moral character of God hasn't changed. And if the moral character of God hasn't changed, then then we have to recognize that, that there is a way that we glorify God that has really always been the same throughout the, the, the scriptures. But Thomas had a great point where he talked about, look, we know what the law says, you know, things like um, do not do not lie, do not cheat, you know, do not steal, things like that. And um, and, and we understand that it is not loving our neighbor to, for instance, bear false witness to them. Um, it is not loving our neighbor to, for instance, steal something or to covet something that that belongs to them or to commit violence against them, right? I mean, those are, those are very clear biblical examples where we understand that loving our neighbor uh, means that we don't break the law of God in terms of our interaction with them. Now, is it just limited to that? Well, I think of the example of um, the Good Samaritan, right? So, Jesus Christ brings up the example of the Good Samaritan. This is one that's brought up very often um, to try to support uh, the, the whole um, push for masks and, and vaccines, that um, that you had this um, Samaritan person, not even a Jew, sees uh, someone who's on the road about to die, actually. So, if you read through that carefully, that person is um, is half dead. He's going to die on his own if you if he doesn't get help. And, uh, and, and what we see from that Good Samaritan is that he shows compassion towards that person who is in dire need. And, and that's what we are to do as well. Um, so, so, we understand that there is a, a mercy and a compassion element to this, to, to someone that we know mm -hmm. is in that kind of um, dire need. In addition, we know the moral law and how that's applied. But aside from that, we have to remember that the first greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the only way you can do that is if you have a regenerated heart. If you're saved by God, you have the new nature, you have the spirit within you. And, and so, knowing that you have that, that you've been saved by God and love God, now you are to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love your neighbor the way you would want to be loved as someone who has been made regenerate by God, not as someone who is living according mm -hmm. to the world, which is how we are operating today. So, he yeah. had uh, made that point about, you know, the, the, the masks and the vaccine do not fall into that realm. That, that is a matter of personal conscience. And we don't bind our conscience onto other people, but we recognize that this is where I arrived. I'm convicted that this is true. And if you're convicted of it, you should follow it because if you don't follow it, then it's going to be sin because you're not doing it by faith or you're disobeying what you think would be right by faith. But don't mm -hmm. bind that onto other people when it's yeah. not in the scriptures. Yeah, and let, let me just turn the heat up a little bit and maybe bring out my inner Paul Washer. Uh, for, you, for you guys that are saying you're loving your neighbor by vaccinating yourself and uh, wearing a face mask, that, that's great. But uh, how many of you have loved your neighbor by sharing the gospel? You'll wear a mask for your neighbor, but you don't share the gospel with them. You'll take a vaccine for your neighbor, but you don't share the gospel with them. So you're happy to let them burn in hell, but loving your neighbor is just wearing a cloth on your face or taking a vaccination. It's perspective, yeah. right? Um, and, and, I, and I say that uh, just bluntly like that, because I think we've gotten so aggressive towards one another. Um, and, and let's just be honest, the most aggressive crowd is the you have to wear it. You have to take the vaccine. Uh, we have it on the other side, too. Um, but a lot of those people, it, you know, they never even talk to their neighbor. 
before. Uh, they don't go out. They don't evangelize. They aren't sharing the gospel. Um, if you really want to love your neighbor, then you'll present them with the truth of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Whatever else you do um, that fits under the banner of loving your neighbor will always be secondary to that. No. Uh, because what good is it? Um, if you feed your neighbor, if you clothe your neighbor, if you help your neighbor pay his bill and your neighbor spends eternity in hell. Right. Right. Um, there's, there's a momentary benefit, but don't become so self-righteous um, that all these external things become what matters most when you yourselves don't even share the gospel with your neighbor, which is most certainly loving and undeniably so. Uh, so, just something to think about in terms of how we view what's loving and what's not loving. Yeah, that that's a great point. I think of Mark chapter one when Jesus Christ um, was healing people. All the people from from Judea were were coming out to see him, and he was healing people of their sicknesses and diseases. He was casting out demons, and then said at the very next morning, early in the morning, he went out to to go pray. Well. Simon Peter goes to look for him the next morning, and he says, uh, "He says, Lord, um, everyone is looking for you, and it's very clear why everyone is looking for him, because they all want to be healed. And you would yeah. think loving your neighbor would mean going out and healing him. But what does he say? He says, let us go to the next town then so that I can preach, for that is what I came to do. And it's very clear, and that's in mm -hmm. Matthew chapter 1, look around verses 30 to 33, somewhere around there. But um, it's very clear from those verses that the priority of Jesus Christ was upon eternity, uh, was upon the, the, the spiritual, and, and not merely just the physical needs. Mm -hmm. and, and what you'll find is that a lot of times when people are using loving your neighbor in a way that, um, that, that is binding the conscience over something that is not biblical, I think you will see a commonality that they are focused more on the temporal rather than the eternal. And so you brought up a, a great example that, hey, um, you're loving your neighbor by taking the vaccine, by wearing a mask, that's great, but are you sharing the gospel, right? Because one of those things is more of a temporal measure. The other one is a, is a, permanent, is a permanent changing kind of measure, right? Sharing the gospel. Because no matter what happens in this world, and, and we're seeing this very clearly with the church in Afghanistan and some of the reports mm -hmm. we've heard from those churches that they've received notices from the Taliban saying, we know where you are, where you are, we're coming for you. And their response is, we're going to stay, we're going to remain, we're going to trust in God and, and take whatever comes. And, and that's, the, that's the, a boldness there that's recognizing that the um, eternal is much more important than the temporal. And it's the same mistake with uh, social justicians. Um, they they overemphasize uh, what is important in the temporal at the expense of what is in the eternal. Now, that doesn't mean we completely ignore the temporal. That's not the point at all. But we are here, first and foremost, our great commission is to make disciples of all the nations. Mm -hmm. And that means we start with evangelism, and then we teach them to obey all that God has commanded us. And obeying all that God has commanded us means we're part of a church body, we're building each other up, we're sharing the gospel, but together we are putting our hope completely into the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's First Peter 1, I want to say either verse 15 or 18, one of those two. Um, so, we're, we're, we're working together the way God has called us to work together, but it's with a spiritual priority. And let me point out one more thing. 
you had mentioned political parties that a lot of people that are pushing this um, are unfortunately too tied to a political party. And I agree with that. Now, the flip side, they're going to accuse us of the same thing. And I've had a number of people that will jump in and throw Trump's name out. You guys are just Trump worshipers. And look, when it comes to this vaccine, let, let me set something straight here. Um, I actually just listened to uh, an interview with, um, with, with President Donald Trump uh, just recently. It was just past week. He was asked about the vaccine. And first, Trump wants to be sure that people understand he's the one that fast tracked it, right? So mm -hmm. he he actually, um, you know, put it, he made it so that uh, the extra funding would go into it and that it would be fast tracked. Second, he said he thinks the va vaccine is fantastic and he thinks everyone should get it. So when you're talking about Trump, realize that he is actually in full support of the vaccine. Um, he takes great pride in having mm -hmm. fast tracked it. He's in full support of it, but he doesn't believe that it should be forced. It should be a personal decision. And I respect that he said that. But if you're bringing up Trump as being the reason why we're taking the positions that we're taking, you guys are way, way off. This, this has nothing to do with Trump. And I just bring up that example from Trump because I would say that if this was about Trump, we would actually be following his advice that we should all take it, right? But yeah. no, th this should be a personal decision. And, and again, it's not based upon biblical commands that you can actually force this upon people. And, and you're having a more temporal focus rather than a more eternal spiritual focus uh, about all this when you emphasize that at the expense of emphasizing mm. the, the kingdom in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it's that thing where, just to be honest, nobody cares what your political party of choice believes. As a, as a Christian, what we care about is what scripture teaches, right? That is our greatest source, our, our only source of absolute truth. And then to the degree um, that we can you know, be partakers of our community and our society and be in line with scripture, then you can do that. Um, but we aren't here as Republicans, as Democrats, as, you know, right. third party, green, whatever other things are out there. You're a Christian. Your politics, your identity is rooted and grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, and so, I, I mean, really, we just need to stop that nonsense. Um, we, we've, there are things that we can't support, um, and we have to be able to go to scripture and say, okay, I can't do this as a Christian. Um, and that be where your heart is rather than, well, I need to try to justify it because I'm in line with, you know, the Cub Scouts or the Girl Scouts or whatever you're in line with. Um, I, it, you know, I'm nobody's fanboy. Um, no Christian and no political leader. Um, I just don't care. What I care about is what scripture says. And to the degree you align with that, then, you know, I can work with you. I can partner with you. Um, I'm more inclined to be far more gracious and want to work with believers. Uh, you know, scripture tells us that the world should know us for our love for one another. Yeah. Um, that, you know, my, my primary motivation is to love other believers in such a way that the world sees that. Um, you know, it doesn't say that they'll know us because we love them well, right? Um, no. Christ loved them well, and and they, right, right, they crucified him, um, and so we do those things. But we've just got to take a step back, especially with this whole mass stuff, because it it, it has become legalistic. Well, I think we've kind of beat that with uh, you know like a dead horse, but um, it, there are some other you know things in in which legalism plays into life too. Um, I. This is one of the things that we talked about a little bit while you were here, just speaking of legalism. 
I do often see, and I don't know, maybe just it's more in kind of the reformed-ish camps, kind of a constant, um, especially by some of the young restless reform guys, always beating uh, legalism, specifically holiness, right? Anytime someone says um, you, you should pursue holy living or righteous living, uh, they immediately go to, uh, well, that's legalistic, um, it, w- which is interesting, right? So, we're talking about legalism probably from an angle that no one's really talked about much. I haven't heard anyone else say, if you're uh, telling everyone they should get get a, wear a mask, then you're legalistic. Um, but that's true. But here's another er- area uh, where I think guys are so afraid of legalism that they almost become legalistic themselves in trying to battle it. Um, I, I don't think uh, legalism is the church's primary issue today. Um, now, we talked a little bit about that, um, but he, here, here's my contingent. It, th- there are certainly segments of the church, and we realize this, right? You think of the KJ, militant KJV-only guys almost always fall into the legalistic category. Yeah. Uh, there are other small groups of churches, but uh, realize when we talk about the church, especially in the Western world, okay, no, actually, this would be true worldwide. The largest part of the church would be charismatic Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not struggle with legalism. In fact, they're on the opposite side of the exact same coin, right? Licentiousness, hyper grace, excusing sin under the grace of God, um, which is, again, same coin, different side. Um, and, and so, we, we need to, I think, rein in a little bit the talk of legalism, use it properly. That's really, I guess, what, what we're saying. It's used improperly very often. Yeah. You know, First Peter uh, says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. So, if your response to hearing that is, oh, legalism, your heart's probably in the wrong place. In fact, you might actually be the one with a legalistic problem Um, because that is straight from the Holy spirit, right? Inspired Peter inspired writing. uh, And not only just in the new Testament, he's actually quoting Isaiah there. I think Um, he's quoting from the old Testament, right? But it's an act that you do. um, And maybe, maybe at some stage we'll talk about the difference between um, justification, sanctification and, uh, our part and God's part, and I think those get mixed up a lot too. Um, but you, you know, striving to live rightly and holy is not legalism um, if it's born out of a heart and a desire to walk like Christ, to be like Christ, um, you know, to to please Christ because of love, right? Not um, you know because you're trying to earn grace or keep grace. That's that would be legalistic in that case. Yeah, your mind uh, went exactly where my mind went as well. I mean, <clears throat> you know, this is part of the reason why we get along so well in this podcast. I think we we think very similarly. And it was fun when we were in Alaska, if you could have been there during the times we just had these theological conversations. And just about everything that has come up this past week, we talked about at some point while we were up there in Alaska. But yeah, just to read that, that fuller passage from 1 Peter chapter 1, um, verses 13 through 16, therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, that's verse 13. I previously said that's either 15 or 18, but that's 13. Verse 14, as obedient children, 
do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So that's a commandment. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. So there, right there, we see a direct tie between our holiness and our behavior. And verse 16 justifies it by saying, because it is written, and this is the quote from Leviticus, you shall be holy for I am holy. And I think it may be worth uh, another discussion in and of, of itself because we would both believe that salvation is completely monergistic. It's completely a work of God. Um, sanctification, and I might lose some followers by saying this, but sanctification, it is a work by the Holy Spirit, but we have our part in it as well. And I would point exactly to this um, because sanctification, the word sanctification, it, it literally comes in the Greek from the same word as holiness. It's um, it's the process of, of being holy. And there is a difference between positional sanctification, we are made positionally holy immediately from the time of conversion, but there is a progressive holiness that is tied mm-hmm. into our growth and our, our walk and our obedience. And when people say that's legalistic, we'll deal with this passage then, because what do you think this passage says? And I think it, it makes it pretty clear. But you're right, the uh, a lot of the legalism that that um, that we're seeing today, you know, we just talked about loving your neighbor. Um, antinomianism is actually another form of legalism, though it doesn't look like it. Antinomianism meaning um, against the law. Anytime mm-hmm. you talk about commandments, then they'll say, well, that's just legalism. You're just preaching the law. Yeah. Um, well, by emphasizing an ignorance of the law or emphasizing not to pay attention to the law is actually a form of legalism itself. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, so, all, all that to say that we, we do want to emphasize the importance of obedience according to the scriptures. That is not legalistic, but when you start to apply it in ways that the scriptures do, does not imply it or does not even imply you should apply it, um, that, that becomes legalism. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would agree with everything you said. And um, yeah, anyone that follows me on Twitter knows I could care less about my Twitter account following. And I know you, you do too. I mean, yeah. we... We, we both uh, agree that uh, justification is, you know, God alone, um, but sanctification is synergistic. It, it is. Um, yeah. And if you don't agree with that, then you can listen to our next podcast coming down the road <laughs> at some stage and, and at least hear uh, why we say that. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's simple to explain just in that, okay, so when we say monergistic, we just mean there's one person working it, right? Doing the work, accomplishing the work. So, your justification is monergistic in that God alone does that, and he does it, and he does it instantly, immediately, and permanently, yeah. right? It, it's, it's one and done, as it were. When you come to Christ, you have been justified through the blood of Christ. Um, however, sanctification isn't like that. No one would argue that here on earth, it, it, as once you become a believer, you're perfectly sanctified in every way, right? No one would argue that. Mm-hmm. If it were monergistic, that would have to be true. Mm-hmm. It would have to be true. Uh, and so, there's just a misunderstanding there. And so, we understand that, um, you know, God certainly sanctifies us in, in that He makes us holy, He sets us apart, He separates us. But then we also have this earthly world that we're living in. And while we're living here and we have to deal with sin, we're also being sanctified in that way. And so, sort of two parts of sanctification. Um, but uh, it, yeah, and so, but we see legalism again rising its head. When you start talking about, um, you know, being holy yourself and just, I mean, again, we go back to Peter. Peter doesn't say that God does it for you. He says, be holy yourselves. 
yeah. right? Also, in your behavior, you go to Jude. Jude tells you, right, to build yourself up in the faith, um, right? Well, how do you do that? By studying the word, by um, sitting at the feet of the apostles for us through the, the through learning scripture, the teaching and the preaching of the word. Um, you know, uh, the apostle Paul tells Timothy to be an example in all his behavior, right? In faithfulness uh, of uh, as a believer to others around him. And so clearly, you just can't get away from the fact that we are ourselves to participate in that. And, and so, it's, it is really quite legalistic or really antinomian uh, to to kind of oppose that and say, oh, no, no, no. Anytime you do anything good, um, you can't say you're being holy because that's, you know, that's the law. And every time I post something on holiness, on my, I have a couple folks on Twitter who, you know, pipe up and, and kind of give that, that's God alone, that's legalistic. Um, no. Well, you just misunderstand what legalism really is. Um, and so, we, we see it I have never before, before the last couple of years, seen uh, people legalistic in their pursuit of loving their neighbor um, the the way we have, or rather trying to force others to do that. And so, it's been a unique, uh, I think, last couple of years. Um, But it really just comes down to this. Um, It it is often legalism when you are demanding, uh, if you're demanding liberties, Right. Um, that can be legalistic. And so, yeah. you know, um, all right, another pet peeve of mine, the, the whole blatant public use of alcohol and things like that. If you're demanding your right to do that and you're demanding others partake in it, you're being legalistic. Yeah. Um, if you're restricting liberties, right, biblical liberties, that's legalism. I mean, basically, you're adding to the law, binding the conscience of others where God doesn't bind it. And right. so, when we have these conversations, when you hear Christian leaders, uh, you know, say things like, uh, this is how you love your neighbors, just stop and ask yourself this. Does Scripture speak to this? How does it speak to this? Is it a liberty or is it a command? Uh, if it's a command, then we have every right to bind people to the commands of God where it's clear. If it's a liberty, we never have the right to bind yeah. someone's conscience to our preference. We can't make our biblical preferences. Uh, we can't make our personal preferences into biblical truths. Right. Amen. Amen and amen. I agree uh, with all that. And there's a whole lot more that can be said about uh, the topic of sanctification. Um, we'll, we'll save that, uh, like you said, for, for another time, but uh, definitely very related to what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. We hope that it was helpful. Um, look, the world's getting crazy. The whole mask vaccinated thing is going to go on for quite some time. Uh, just to end, we would say be gracious to your brothers and sisters. Um, don't become a Pharisee because you've been misled, tricked into believing that you have to love, everyone has to love their neighbor in the exact same way. Uh, pull back a little from the emotions, get in scripture, turn off the media for a little while. I mean, so, some of you need to take a break. Um, stop watching the news for a few days, a, a week. Um, get off of Twitter for a few days. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is like a, uh, a, a those old school. What do you call them? The dramas that just go on and on and on. I can't think soap of the operas. Name. The soap yeah. operas. Twitter's like a soap opera. Leave it for a week or two, and when you get back on, you won't have missed a beat. Um, and and when you do those things, 
uh, pull back and spend some extra time in scripture, right? Um, and, and so we don't get caught up in the world's way of doing those things. So thank you guys. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if, if you would like to uh, send us an email, you can do that at the truth be known podcast at gmail.com. If you are listening to our podcast on a regular basis, uh, we would ask, or at least I would ask, you know, that you give us a rating um, on, on uh, iTunes or, or whatever. Uh, we have a few, but we would love for you to, if you're listening, to yes. to, to give us a rating. Uh, drop a note in there. Let us know what you think if the podcast has been helpful. Um, if it's not been helpful, then we don't want to waste your time. Don't bother. But anyway, uh, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to us. Until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.